How are we doing tonight? Doing good? Yeah? All right. I'm kind of I'm weirded out right now. I'm used to seeing like your backs throughout the service, so right now I'm kind of seeing your faces. And I got to say, you guys, you look... We'll just move on. Um, you know, if you don't know who I am, I'm Matthew Vaughn. I am currently studying uh, creative writing at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. I am in my third year, uh, and uh, normally I'm sitting in the booth, as I said. I sort of run sound, but I decided I want to be in the spotlight tonight, so here we are. Um, now, uh, we are starting a new sermon series tonight called Reclaiming Intimacy. Um, first, I'm sure some of y'all are already kind of like getting a little confused, thinking like, doing a series on relationships. It's not February yet. And we are doing a series on relationships, but we're trying to sort of switch things up a bit. You see, the kind of intimacy we're talking about is the kind as defined by Merriam-Webster's dictionary. And yes, I am going straight to the dictionary. Sorry about that, whatever. Um, so if we could have the definition up on there. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines intimacy as marked by a warm friendship developing through long association of a very personal or private nature or marked by very close association, contact, or familiarity. You see, the world today defines intimacy very differently. We look at intimacy in a different way. And what we want to do as a church during this, over the course of this series is sort of reclaim that word from the world to make it so that you guys can say that you have an intimate understanding of one, of one another, that you have intimate understanding of each other, that you know each other on an intimate level. Because we are talking about relationships, but we're talking about my favorite kind of relationship my base, the best ship, in my opinion, the SS friendship. So, all aboard. Let's get moving. Tonight, we're going to be talking about you and the church, your relationship with the church. Uh, we'll be starting off in 1 Corinthians 12 12. But before we dive in, I got a little quiz, a little sort of survey for y'all. You ever been to a party and, like, you don't know what the party's for and you don't know anyone at the party? And you don't, like, you're just kind of sitting there on a couch waiting for the party to end. And, like, you see the people hosting the party have a dog. So you're like, oh, I want to grab the dog. And then you just start petting the dog and waiting, just, like, hoping that the party will end. And then somebody comes up to you and talks to you. And it's like, I don't know who you are. But, see, I, I have experienced that many times in my life, particularly at family reunions. So I'm sort of trying to gauge. But, yeah, like, to me, that is a bad feeling. I do not like feeling like I don't belong somewhere. And if you dislike that feeling as much as I do, I have good news for you, and it is related to the church. So, I'm sure at this point you've heard at least one person say, the church is not a place, it's a people. And yes, that is true, but what does that mean? What does that mean to say that the church is not a place, but a people? For an answer, let's go ahead and open up to our scripture for the night. But before we begin, let's just pray into our scripture. So, dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to uh, come up here and give a lesson, give a uh, message to these people. To um, Yeah, and thank you that I have this opportunity. I pray that you give me the words that I need. I pray that you help me calm down a little bit. And um, yeah, I just pray that you'll uh, help me get through um, and help them be receptive. Uh, and that in, in your name, amen. All right, so scripture, let's go. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So stop here for a second. Looking at this, we immediately see one thing, something that I already said, but that I want to clarify over the course of this message. The church is a community of Christ followers unified as a singular body on a singular mission. So that's my first point. We are a singular body. But what does that body look like? Well, that body is not just us sitting here tonight. It's not just the people who come in on Sunday mornings and sit in the sanctuary. It's not just the young adults who show up on Tuesday nights, but it is every single believer in the world who has confessed with their mouths and believes in their hearts that Jesus is Lord and that he died for our sins and that after three days he was raised from the dead in recompense for our sins. So that is the gospel. That's what we as the church believe. So what that means is every single believer in the world is part of the singular church, capital C, church. We all exist for the same purpose. And uh, here at Calvary, what we say is that we exist for the glorification. We exist to make disciple makers for the glory of God among the nations. That's our purpose, that's our purpose statement here at Calvary. So caveat, we don't all do that the same way. Let's go ahead and start back up reading in verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So how many of you guys have heard of spiritual gifts? Let's just do a little survey by hand. Just go ahead and raise your hand if you've heard of them, if you know what they are. Yeah, all right, cool. So go ahead and put your hands down. For those of you who are not aware, spiritual gifts are God-given talents that are given out to every single person on the face of the planet with the intent for those gifts to be used for his glory. So believe it or not, not everyone gets the same gifts. What? It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm just going to sort of lift off, list off these gifts really quickly. If any of them sound like you guys, try to take a mental note, maybe write it down on your phone or something, and then you can talk about it with your C group leader, and we can maybe help you find a way to serve in the church through that gifting. All right. So we have administration, sort of leadership, organization, that kind of stuff. Apostleship, which is basically missionary work. Discernment otherwise called insight. Uh, it's the ability to understand things more intimately. See what I did there? Yeah. Right. Um, and then we have encouragement, being an encourager, somebody who can lift other people up. We have evangelism, which is sharing the gospel with the world. Um, losing track of myself here. Faith, giving, hospitality, which is being welcoming. Jordan, I know you got that. I know you're on that. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, hospitality, knowledge, teaching, serving, mercy, and wisdom. Now, uh, for some of you who do know the gifts, I did leave out prophecy, because um, that one gets a little controversial just because of how it's defined. Most likely, you won't have to wonder if you have the gift of prophecy, because you probably don't. Um, yeah. 
So, alongside these spiritual gifts, we also get physical gifts. These might mean things like musical ability, artistic expression, the ability to paint really well, physical strength, physical coordination, um, craftsmanship, stuff like serving on the media team. Um, there are many different types of physical gifts. So, we got spiritual gifts, we got physical gifts. What's the point of all these things? Well, we have established that the church is a singular body on a singular mission. We have established that we all have different gifts and then, thus, each believer is purposefully placed within the church and within their community to better glorify God and bring people to him. So we are purposefully placed. We are intentionally put where we are to uh, maximize the efficiency of our sharing with the people around us and within the church. God uses us where we are to bring glory to himself. And we can glorify him by offering up the gifts that he has given us and using them inside the church and out. Because regardless of what your gifts are, there are opportunities for you to serve within the church. For some of you, that might mean, you know, joining the welcome team, maybe joining the like music, the band up here, joining the media team. There are just so many opportunities to serve. And I want to encourage you all to sort of look Talk to your C group leaders tonight about service in the church. So, we all, since we have gifts that are meant to be used for a specific purpose, that means that God has a plan for us. Now, at you guys' age, I am sure, 100% certain, I can say without any doubt in my mind, you have no idea what the future holds for you. You might think you do, but you don't. You don't know. I thought I was going to be an accountant. I'm not studying accountancy anymore. So, yeah, don't woo that. If, if you're wooing accounting, you got issues. Um, yeah, but uh, so God has a plan for us. And to me, that is an extremely comforting idea, an extremely comforting notion to know that even though I don't know what the future holds, God has a plan and it is perfect. So, got one last point to make, but... Before I make it, let's go ahead and skip forward a little bit to the second half of verse 24. So, here we go. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Members of the church are not always going to agree with each other. If you've been to a church and conference before, you might know what I'm talking about. There have been some, they, they, get, they get a little heated because people in the church are passionate about serving God's mission. And that means that sometimes when there is a difference of opinion, that passion clashes. What's important is how we handle that clash. Because in the world, if, if somebody disagrees, they're just gonna you know, yell back and forth never listen to each other, never get anything done, and just create more and more problems on top of the ones that already exist. As the church, we cannot be like that. We cannot sow discord within the church. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. It doesn't get much clearer than that. We need to put forward a unified and loving front because we are a unified community. We are unified by our faith in Christ and so we are unified in everything. We are unified in mind and thought 
and we are unified in everyday life. If one of us is celebrating, hey, we all celebrate with them. If one of us is struggling, then we struggle with them. We join them in their struggles. We pray for them. We care for them. Guys, I've said a lot of stuff kind of quickly, but honestly, if you don't take anything else home with you tonight, I just want you to know that you are not alone. That's really what's most important to me in this moment, that you know that if you are struggling, then the church is here for you. Just look around at each other real quick, just kind of you know, make eye contact, look around. You're seeing people, all these faces, that's the church. That's it. That's your community. These are people that you can trust. These are people that love you and care for you and want the best for you. Because as God has called us to love the world, he so calls us to love each other as well. We gather, one, to glorify God and worship him, and two, to raise each other up to better worship him. So before we close out, I have a little personal story for y'all, sort of my explain why I'm so passionate about letting y'all know that you aren't alone. Um, from sixth grade to the middle of my second year of college, I suffered from depression. It's a heavy topic. Y'all weren't expecting that. Now, depression is funny because you could have everything you need. You could be perfectly satisfied in every aspect of your life. But if there is just this one little thing called serotonin missing, a little mood stabilizer, then you're done. That's it. And that was the case for me. Um, for nearly the entirety of what was almost nine years, I thought I was alone and that no one cared for me because I didn't let anyone know that anything was wrong. I could honestly give a whole sermon about depression, but I'm not going to do that right now. Um, so my first year of college, I went on a mission trip to the beach with the UTRGV BSM, the Baptist Student Ministry, called Beach Reach. It was during spring break. We were, you know, going and, going and ministering to spring breakers, driving them around, giving them waffles, you know, just kind of caring for them. And uh, so throughout that week, I just kind of knew something was wrong. I had gone because my friends were going. I had gone because I thought it would make me look like a good Christian. Um, so I was serving out of a selfish motivation. And um, if you've ever done that before, you know that kind of thing doesn't last when it gets hard to move. When things get difficult, you aren't going to be able to move when you are being selfish and when your motivation is selfish. So halfway through that week, I just got overwhelmed. I couldn't you know, keep talking to people and pretending nothing was wrong. I couldn't keep ministering and sharing about the love of Christ when I didn't think that 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 was something that I could have. So I went and talked to one of my very good friends at the time. Uh, he was leading our team. He was Randy. Um, and just kind of, you know, started talking to him about what was wrong. Uh, I started talking about how empty I was, how uh, I couldn't cry about wanting to end my life on a daily basis because I just didn't have anything left in me. Um, and... To my surprise, he started crying. Um, he started praying for me. I didn't have any words for God that couldn't come from a place of anger and resentment, but he did. So he interceded. 
he went to God for me and began to pray. And I mean, that's an incredibly powerful thing to know that someone loves you so much that they would approach God and ask for you something that you need. So after that week, um, I somehow made it through and uh, went back home. And some of y'all may have done the math by now. Uh, the end of that week lined up almost exactly when, with, with when quarantine started. Big surprise. So I am stuck at home, and so is my sister, because she had come down to do Beach Reach with her BSM. And so we're just kind of locked in our house. And uh, I was just feeling something tugging on me to talk to her and tell her what was going on with me. And so I told her as well. And again, she cried and she prayed for me. Then I came to church and all of my friends here started praying for me and checking in on me and, you know, being with me as I walked through what became a very difficult year of therapy and medication. See, I had convinced myself that I was alone because I was unwilling to admit that I wasn't. I was alone by choice because I was unwilling to tell people that I was struggling because I thought they wouldn't care. But that's not what the church is. The church is a community of Christ followers who love and care for you and who love God. That's why we have the church. The church is God's reminder to us that we are not and can never be alone without his love. There is no way to escape God's love. If we run away, he will chase after us. That's the church. If we run, the church will chase after us just as God would. All right, I'm done. So in a moment, Eli is going to come up and uh, you know, give some announcements, I think. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for uh, getting me through this. Thank you for the reminder of your love for us. Thank you for being a God who loves. Uh, I pray that if anyone is struggling tonight, that they would be willing and feel ready to open up to their C group, to open up to somebody and get help. Because just as you love us, we are called to love each other. And I pray that you would just help us to remember that, help us to have a good and productive discussion in our C groups. And uh, yeah, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.